Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and you're listening to the Downtime Podcast, where we delve deep into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. I want to take a quick moment to thank our supporting partners who make this podcast possible, and this month that's Shimano and We Are One Composites. Shimano have just launched a brand new flat pedal shoe, which is called the GR9. They've worked long and hard to create their very own gravity-optimised sole technology called Ultred. It combines the rubber compound and the sole design to create the perfect balance of grip and durability. I've been using the shoe for the past few weeks, so I can't really comment on durability yet, although there is no evidence of any damage from the pedal pins after the first few rides. What I can comment on is the grip. For me, they've got the balance right. I feel totally connected to the bike and I'm not worried about my foot slipping on the pedals, but I don't feel so locked in that I can't make those minor adjustments of my foot position on the pedal. The sole has also been designed to make sure that you can walk in the shoes on and off-road too. It's got a nice casual style. It comes in two simple colorways, one black and one white. It's super comfy to wear and it's got some other great features too, like lace eyelets so it's easy to tension the shoe evenly on your foot, a nice strong toe cap to keep you protected from impacts, and it doesn't seem to absorb heaps of water either. The new GR9 with its gravity-optimized Ultred sole is available now from your local Shimano dealer and you can check it out over at mtb.shimano.com. We are one composites are killing it and their popularity is no surprise to me. I've been using their wheels for nearly four years now and they're so good. We are one are making their awesome wheels in Kamloops in Canada and I currently have a Faction 29er up front and a Union 275 out the back. These things are great to ride, striking a lovely balance of being precise but not so stiff that they punish you for being a millimetre offline. The finish of the product is second to none and if you ever remove the rim tape and look inside you'll see that the incredible attention to detail and love that goes into these wheels can be seen on the inside as well as the outside. I've not had a chance to try them but from what I've heard their handlebars and their new bike the arrival are pretty awesome too. As a downtime listener you can get 15% off all rim only products from We Are One during the month of March. All you need to do is to use the code WEARRIMS2022. That's WEARRIMS, all one word, all lowercase, followed by the number 2022 at the checkout over on weareonecomposites.com. That's WEARRIMS2022, all one word, all lowercase. If you want to support what I'm doing, then you can do that by grabbing yourself some downtime merch over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. There's t-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, shorts and joggers. All organic, made with supply chain using renewable energy, printed to order and shipped using no single-use plastics. All the links you need for all of this stuff are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. The last thing you want to do is go and miss an episode of the podcast, so please make sure you're following us wherever it is you listen. There's probably going to be a button there that says follow or subscribe, so hit that now. If you can't find the button, then you can head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe, which has got links to all the major platforms to help you get sorted. Also, give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook where we're at Downtime Podcast. That way you'll be able to keep up to date with what we're up to and never miss a thing. All right, today I'm joined by one of my most requested guests, the one and only Joe Barnes. Joe has been a part of the international race scene for many years, first in downhill and more recently in enduro. We find out about Joe's background in adventure and travel and how that led to him racing on the world stage. We chat about how Joe transitioned to enduro and ended up racing for the Kenyan team. Joe and I discuss video creation, his move to Hope, stepping back from the international scene, riding with his son Bo, and plenty more. Joe is definitely a rider that brings something fresh and unique to mountain biking, helping keep our sport varied and exciting. So, without further ado, here's Joe Barnes. Joe Barnes, welcome to the Downtime Podcast. How's things? Very good, thanks. Thanks for having me. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure. Yeah. And let's, you know, we've not had you on before, so let's wind the clock right back and start from the early okay. days. Um, just tell us a little bit about your early memories of, of riding around on bikes as a kid, like before mountain biking was a thing for you, I guess. Oh, wow. We are casting it back. <laughs> um, so, yeah, started just love riding bikes. As most people are into the sport now, when you're a kid, you just had had the genuine, the, uh, genuine push cycle. And, uh, yeah, grew up. Uh, on a campsite so just buzzing about that on my bike and I just I just don't think I ever put the thing down so <laughs> that's just where it all started but yeah early, earliest memories are probably just yeah cruising about the campsite cool. on my bike yeah you were born in the Lake District right you lived there yeah. for a few years before you moved up to Scotland yeah exactly so my family yeah I was, I was born in the Lake District and then the family moved up when I was five so um have very few memories from down that way but uh yeah kept the accent and yeah my parents are from not quite the lakes but for, a bit further south in england so uh-huh. nice. gradually migrated north <laughs> and your parents are quite uh an adventurous pairing is it right that they yeah. took you out of school at some point for a year to go sailing yeah yeah, yeah. My, my dad particularly loves sailing and so all my holidays when i was a kid were all sailing it around mostly around the islands on the west coast up this way and then the the big adventure they wanted to do was the lap of the atlantic um sail down just to the cape verde islands off africa and then across up the caribbean and back and you sort of follow the trade winds so it naturally takes a year um and so yeah took me and my sister out of school and that was uh that was a good good experience so i was 12 so i was about a good age uh, I didn't have a bike on the boat, so I was a bit sad about that. <laughs> but you, you're only 12, so you just get, get on with having a bit of fun doing anything. That's uh, amazing. Was, how yeah, how did school feel about that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, it was actually worked quite well for me because I it, it was first year of high school, uh-huh. so I was I was leaving primary school anyway. Um, so yeah, I just missed first year i'm not sure if much gets done in first year of high school that's incredible what an experience <laughs> at that age that must have been amazing yeah yeah it was really good um yeah just lots of exploration finding new places yeah that, rummage about it was good fun yeah is that where your kind of desire for travel and adventure comes from do you think like from your parents uh, i think it's probably made me like not too shy to get get out there and get on with with travel but I'd say my later travel was all just driven through racing. So it was, uh, yes, slightly different sort of reason for going. It wasn't yeah. really, yeah, it was always like the race focus more. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, it will, will have definitely been a factor. Definitely. That's awesome. And yeah. so how does mountain biking become part of the picture then? So you're in Fort William, you're playing around on bikes as most kids do, but how did you get into the mountain bike side of it? Um yeah, I'm not sure. Kind of, I suppose it. I got a slightly better bike. I don't know if that's when you can you can say it goes from sort of like messing about to actual mountain biking, but that was maybe maybe one of the factors. So yeah, got slightly better bike from the bike shop, an ex um, higher downhill bike, an Orange Patriot, um, which was just the dream. Like you obviously got your MPUK magazine, and the World Cup was in Fort William, so I'd watch that. My dad was one of the people who was one of the organizers at the start. I'm not sure how he, how he got involved in that, but he was the coordinated the marshals for the first maybe 10 years of the world cup. So I was going in with him and then going up the track and watching and just fascinated by it all. 
it's just like it's just a cool sport isn't it so um yeah get your earth well it was sprung at the start tv or vhs um every christmas and yeah so there's a a few years where i was just pure dreaming and then sort of got more involved myself when i was 14 and uh got to the races as well at that same same year it sort of all went from um back backyard stuff to racing and downhill yeah just sort of in one year is it true that global racing team visited your school at some point (laughs) yeah they did that was quite impressive actually uh uh, yeah so we got the signed postcards (laughs) yeah who was on the team then so Uh, was that when craig minar was on the team and uh, missy geo i'm pronouncing them right um oh man i can't remember his name there's a brazilian guy yeah, oh, yeah. My, my knowledge should be better yeah there's a japanese um, guy on the team there's a well. japanese guy yeah. he had some crazy uh bleach blonde hair uh yeah so they came to our school and we were that's cool we, we all got the photo for the uh lock Harbor news yeah that's cool so, to see the impact that the world cup there has on the the local community I guess, yeah game, oh, schools and stuff. yeah and i think the I suppose I was one the first young kids to young youngish kid to get into the sport after seeing the World Cup, but now there's like it's gone right back. <laughs> there's loads of kids now who are seeing it. I've, I've seen it for years since they were more like six instead of twelve, and yeah, yeah it's pretty good. An inspirational thing to come to your hometown. It's hundred really percent. Cool. Yeah, it's awesome. So, was it natural for you as a as a person to want to take it racing, or like um, were you pushed that direction? How did that happen? No, yeah, I just wanted to do that. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I'm probably not like wildly competitive, but must be a little bit because that's all I wanted to do. <laughs> um, I just sort of, I don't know, I saw that's when I envisaged the sport, I just envisaged racing. Like that was like the purpose for doing it really um, and for practicing. So, yeah, yeah, jumping straight in yes like, like i say as soon as i got that bike just like wh- what races can i do and it was like the winter went wild and in early then um must have just happened to get the bike in october so the next race was one of them so just got straight to them with my dad and uh mate richard and so yeah it's just um yeah i think racing was one of the dri- driving forces yeah it didn't it didn't take you long to decide you wanted to have a go at racing at world cup downhill mm-hmm. level how do you go yeah. from a 14-year-old kid to 16 and lining yeah. up on a World Cup start line? I really can't. I, I can't really see how that that time frame right now, <laughs> looking back, I'm not sure because I just remember being, when I was 14, I was so sketchy and just like, yeah, no form, just go as daft as you can, get to the bottom, <laughs> crash loads of times. And then, it was, I don't know, when I was 16, you only needed one UCI point then. Okay. And you could get a top 10 at an SDA to get a, like two SDAs for the year um, had UCI points. So I got ninth at an SDA at the first round at A4. That was overall, didn't matter what category. So I was uh-huh. uh, first year, must have been first year junior, yeah, um, 16, got my one UCI point. Mate Ferg at the same race got his point. I think he might have been eighth. <laughs> maybe 10th i can't remember <laughs> and so yeah we'll just say let's do this so, and in fact i think Catherine got his points then as well so uh-huh. it was like we all just sort of got our point and 
headed out to Germany. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I've, yeah, and I got 66th at my first one. So um, I think just a bit of passion, <laughs> 16-year-old going for it. Yeah, <laughs> um, fair play. What do you remember from that first race? It's Willingham, right, 2005, yeah, I think. Yeah, uh, it was sort of um, – it was quite a good one, actually. Well, it was, it was a, probably the worst World Cup I've ever done because <laughs> they just built the track and it was really soft. It was quite spongy. They built it. It was like a big BMX track in a way. Well, a, about a third of it was anyway, but it was still a bit fresh and wet. Um, so a lot of people were moaning and the heads went down. And I just remember me and Cathro just buzzing so much on it um, just for being at a World Cup. So... I think, uh, yeah, we were just so so chuffed to be there. Um, I think he was something like 45th, I'm not sure. I was 66, so we, we were delighted with that. Yeah, because uh, there was no junior category then, right? No, there was no junior category, but you did get top 80 in the main. So, um, But then there was also about 350 people there, So, and there's normally about 120 now. So it was quite a different, different setup to get in the final, really. Yeah. Pretty good for your first one. And then you came back, I think your second World Cup was at Fort William back at home. Uh, that must have been a fun one to do. Yeah, 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 definitely. I was never really, um, I never really gelled with the Fort William track, even though I've ridden it thousands and thousands of times. <laughs> um, yeah, just I suppose it's quite hard pack and, or well, it's actually gravelly, so it's not quite hard pack, but it's not, it's not loamy anyway. Um, and it's quite high speed, so it's, but then you can't, yeah, you've got to get on with it in the home crowd. And I just loved the race. Um, so it was never my best result, that World Cup. But it was always a really good one to get to. Yeah, fair play. Yeah. And you got onto a team run by Stu Thompson at the time with MTB Cut, now Cut Media. Yeah. Tell us a bit about how that came together. Um, yeah, so I had little deals before that i rode a year on moorwood with rory cunningham and that was really cool that was like my first proper taste of something just somebody backing you really and <laughs> you can't quite believe it's happened but um and then that stopped the guy who was running that team stopped and then i did my own thing a bit and then um yeah i was just up the woods hacking in a fresh track as you do and then Stu just phoned me and said he's putting a team together he started a video company that was the year he started it and he just wanted a bit of promotion for that and he had all his sponsors from when he was racing and they wanted to continue working with him so he just did it through his team and it was just sort of the perfect setup for me really i couldn't believe it yeah <laughs> so who, was, me, who was on the team with you then uh, it changed a bit because i was there i can't remember now it's probably four or five years i rode for Stu, and so it's lee buchanan year one i think Greg Williamson year two, uh, and then Catherine Hutchins came in. Uh, my sister was on it for the last two years. Uh -huh. So, yeah, it was pretty much most people have been on that team there. <laughs> That's amazing. And that was a, the start of your kind of partnership with Orange back then, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It just so happened my local bike shops um, sold oranges. So I, um, I already had one, but that that made no difference. That was just just sort of a nice transition. But yeah, so then I rode for Stu and Orange on Cut Media. Sweet. And does that mean you're part of the team that were running skin suits one year at Fort William? <laughs> no, that was um, that was uh, Mojo Orange. Ah, that was it. it was yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like more of a Chris Porter. Um, 
experiment. He wanted to see the diff, like how much time you could get from it. They might, I, I'm not sure the rules. It must have been the year before they changed the rules. Yeah, it was definitely um, before the the pinch the kit kind of yeah. rule came in. But and then it went baggy for a year, and now it's really tight but stretchy. So yeah, <laughs> um, an odd progression. No, uh, that was a hutching Cathro. I think that, to be fair, I think that was both of their best ever World Cup results. So yeah, 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 incredible. <laughs> huh? Skin suits do something. <laughs> for sure and you never ended up racing a full season of world cups is that right yeah yeah, yeah. what yeah, was well, the thinking behind that um i don't know i just um let me think well she was pretty hands-off manager which was perfect for me because i was unmanageable at the time <laughs> in, what, in what way <laughs> i don't know i just uh, um just had my way of doing things and I was really set on how how I did did stuff, and then if I yeah, it, I wouldn't have at that age. I wouldn't have dropped onto a factory team, and I just I can't see it working really. I just like doing stuff with like Ferg and uh, going with my dad and things like that. Um, so yeah, I knew I was backing it mostly with my own money as well because it's pretty low key setup. But we got all the kit we needed and um, great on like media coverage as well, which was mint. But so then, yeah, you've got the balance of um, how much work do you want to do for what races do you want to do? And I just never could just like quite justify flying to out of Europe to do a race because um, the finances, it would just be like, oh, I've got to do two more months work or something. Uh, <laughs> so I just kept it like all the races I did as worked as hard as I possibly could do to do the races that I was doing the best I could. Um, which were mostly ones I could drive to and take the van out to Europe and do sort of two or three months in the van and do IXS Cups and Downhill World Cups in Europe and then the British ones as well. Yeah, and work was mowing lawns, yeah? <laughs> that was when I was at school. Okay. <laughs> but then when I was racing World Cups, it was in the bike shop. Got you. Okay, so back in the sorry. Yeah, because, I mean, the bike shop, they're, they're the most understandable people you can work for. For if you want to race, I think because they sort of want you to do well as well. So I was on the couple of hours here and there. <laughs> Started off five days a week, went down to just bits and bobs and um, working whenever I could fit it in. Uh, so, did Did you have the self awareness at that age to know that you wouldn't fit into a pro team, or or do you um, kind of realise that looking back now? No, yeah, that's just looking back. Yeah. So was the pro um, team thing like a dream that you were trying to yeah. work towards? Yeah, I was, uh, I had it on my, uh, yeah, I kind of could never envisage it ha actually happening, but I knew I really wanted to do it. Um, I didn't really, I was really shy when I was young. It was like genuinely not an option to go and speak to someone. <laughs> I'd have had a heart okay. attack if I'd done that. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I just like had a really tight knit circle and just did stuff within that. Um but it was like you're just looking at the other setups thinking, oh, that's the dream. And then you're like, never really think to yourself, oh, wait a minute, my results can clearly justify me being on one of these teams. But the, the connection to actually then being on one and putting yourself forward just never came. So, um, yeah. It, but I, the way it worked out for me, like looking back, it's also like I didn't need to be on a team then. I would have maybe been interested to see how good I could have gone at downhill, but the fact that I jumped on a team and switched to enduro sort of all 
worked really well as well. Yeah, tell us a bit about that because you did the World Cup side of things for about six or seven years, I think, and then yeah. Enduro was starting to bubble up as a thing. Like Italy, I guess, is one of the first places it started going. Yeah, and you ended up moving in that direction. I think you were you were heading over to Ireland to race Enduro before the UK series got going. Yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah, just um, love riding my trail bikes. So I got an Orange Five and loved that, and sort of just knew I was just really interested in racing Enduros. So. Um, I started doing half downhill, half enduro a couple of years before the World Cup, the Enduro World Series. Um, and the only enduros that were available were in Europe. It was the Maxi Avalanches and Mega Avalanche, all mass start. And then sort of the ones that I was interested in, the time card like stage racing, was the Irish Enduros. Um, and they had really good prize money as well. So that was good they put 50 euros per stage win Sweet. um which was meant so um and but it was about a 200 euro ferry so <laughs> i was off against it but I, I think i made a profit out of that series that year nice <laughs> um yeah so it was just really yeah just searching out what i could find and then loved the irish Enduros. decided we needed one of those in scotland so organized one in here with no fuss um did that for three years four years and yeah it's just i was just kind of poised ready for the world series i'd never i hadn't raced that much enduro but i just knew i'd raced a little bit more than most other people so yeah uh, i felt ready yeah i felt ready yeah and then yeah. obviously loads of teams wanted riders then because it was like who do we even sponsor because who's gonna who's gonna actually do well here yeah um yeah, so you, did you pick up the Canyon deal before the EWS yeah. started? Yeah. yeah. How how did that come about then? Because you say you said you were nervous of putting yourself forward to teams. Like, how did that um, change and end yeah. up in that position? Um, Canyon just um, it was through another rider. I wouldn't say who it was because they didn't actually ride for Canyon, and then uh, <laughs> they continued on the same brand. So anyway, okay. they were, they were looking about and. Uh, they were like, oh, I want to do something and you should get like Joe on the team as well because it would be a good combo. And then he then stayed with his brand and then Canyon were like, well, we'll just get Joe anyway. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, in a roundabout way, Canyon just sort of saw me on the radar and invited me to Germany for a chat and rode the bike, got the chat, and then, yeah, thought that was a good option. Yeah. How did you feel about joining a pro team at that point? Like, were you... You, you mentioned earlier that you were unmanageable when you were younger. Yeah. Had you changed by then? Did you feel um, like you were in the right place for that sort of thing? Uh, I thought I was, yeah. Yeah, I thought I was in the right place for it. And then, um, yeah, so how does this work? Yeah, so I thought, yeah, I thought I was in the right place and it was good. And you obviously get a better deal, you get better support and you think, and then you get more confidence with it. So everything is genuine generally better yeah um but then you turn up at the race and you uh, it was a bit too managed for me uh -huh. it was a little bit i don't know if i found it a little bit stressful probably so that was quite more just interesting um and then had good chat with my manager flow and we went back to Koblenz headquarters and had a chat with the boss of canyon the owner of canyon roman we all had a big chat and just sort of re-established the dynamic so that i was on the team but a bit more external from the team uh -huh. 
and that's where I sort of created my own team on the side there uh, with Ferg and Liam and sort of had yeah sort of two setups going so I could keep my original um setup that I just kind of knew worked for me and Sweet. then also stepped onto the factory team for yeah best of both worlds then you uh, get to yeah. travel with your mates and have that support yeah. from factory level yeah yeah that, that was one of like amazing of canyon to sort of take what i was saying on board and just see it yeah and give me a shot <laughs> yeah definitely and traveling with mates is clearly a big thing for you and we've seen yeah. a lot of the videos over the years i heard that you lot enjoy jumping into rivers in the most dangerous <laughs> ways possible yeah that so, was, I don't tell know, us yeah. a bit about some of uh, the ways in that can go wrong <laughs> oh yeah exactly yeah we got right into that i don't know why <laughs> but it's quite thrilling i suppose um yeah we did one me and fergan it was me fergan danny mccaskill were up manessi gorge one of the horrible gorges around here it's like black water at the bottom really still and that was about 90 foot and i think ferg went first danny went second and then i was like oh well <laughs> just gonna have to jump this so i jumped that and obviously blew my knee out and then uh, i was pretty sad about that and i'd just gone off the back of kept hurting myself doing other sports hurt myself skiing and stuff so i was like started to put bands on myself from doing anything else apart from riding my bike um and i think danny's did the pretty vicious splits when he landed uh so yeah that was like a bit of a warning sign uh it took a few months out for me to get my knee back strong and then a year later ferg did this exact same jump and broke his back so we're starting to think you just want to go a slightly bigger jump every time (laughs) Uh, but then obviously it's not like yeah the consequences get quite a bit higher so yeah i think it's I'm fully retired from there now. <laughs> play. Is it true that uh, the police had a little chat with you after oh, yeah, the time for break his back? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, they, were, <laughs> that is quite funny. they were questioning me, <laughs> thinking I pushed him off. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, no, this boy just wanted to, honestly. Just thought it was a good idea. And they're like, oh. Give me, give me a bit of grief thinking I pushed him off trying to, trying to end poor Ferg's days. Yeah. yeah. Quality. So that was a, yeah, it was good fun. Uh, it turned out the mountain rescue came and winched Ferg out. And uh, most of the people in the mountain rescue had a story to tell from that place. So I think I it's a bit of a local legend spot. Nice. Yeah. Cool. That, that group of, uh, have been a big part of videos through like dudes of hazard and now hazard yeah. racing. Yeah. Where did the inspiration come from in the first place to get into the video side of things? You were quite early on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the started doing, did a project at school um, with a friend, Richard. I don't even know why we decided to do that. But anyway, there's a film festival in Fort William mountain festival. And um, so we decided we wanted to put a film in for it. And Richard knew a guy who somehow knew how to edit films. And Richard's dad had a video <laughs> a camcorder. So we just set about making a film. And that's kind of where it started. We just loved it. This guy, Gordy, who was helping us edit it, he was told words of wisdom every turn, every step of the turn. He seemed to know everything and did a brilliant job. So that, yeah, just got a taste for it through that. Yeah, and certainly... Then, 
very creative work like your your videos yeah. stand out away from a lot of other mountain bike stuff so is there a lot of thought that goes into stuff a lot of creative process uh yes <laughs> i think about stuff way too much but um <laughs> yeah i suppose there's a couple of types of films like ones where you just film what's happening sort of vlog style um and then ones where you think about what you're trying to achieve with it i try and do a bit of both um but either way i spend quite a lot of time editing and trying to get it how i feel it works and not um merchanting in the music so that that sort of creates the uh emotions or if you want to get get out of yeah. it the music seems to be a big part of it there's there's clearly a lot of time that goes into that where are your where are your influences because it seems to be very wide reaching yeah um i just just trolling youtube and seeing what you, you like listening to or um i suppose yeah i quite even the music i like listening to uh half of it i just it would never work in a film it's more just being re- like um yeah open to detecting what music works for different parts of films and uh i've got separate um playlists for that uh, drop music into and then yeah just yeah just quite like it so whenever you hear something yeah. you think ah oh, that would be a good fit it gets yeah. it gets put in a playlist somewhere yeah, yeah exactly yeah and then nice. yeah sometimes i just like the song so much i'll make the section to fit the song and sometimes you just have the section and then choose the songs. Cool. Yeah. And is all the editing and animation and everything and all that stuff you do, is that all self-taught? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Play. Yeah, yeah. I think it's self-taught through trial and error as well because I never <laughs> actually read up on anything. Um, yeah. I think it's quite self-explanatory. If you know what you're trying, what you want to achieve at the end of it, then you'll get there somehow. Yeah. What software are you using then? What have got, you taught yourself? Um, Final Cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got that quite a while ago now. So I've been, it's, yeah, it's good. Even now yeah. I just stumble across little tr- hacks to get to certain edits you want and think, oh, if I'd known that, <laughs> that would have helped me. <laughs> like dropping yourself into a Bee Gees performance has got to be yeah, uh, pretty up there with uh, learning yeah. how to use it. Yeah, that was a um, lockdown project. <clears throat> Turns out the most important thing when you do that is lighting. Okay. Because <laughs> I did it and I was like, this just isn't right. Something wrong going on here. And then I was like, right, let's figure it out got the lighting right and then it looks it's half like i'm there <laughs> yeah it's impressive so you must spend a lot of time on video editing then yeah um yeah yeah i generally um <clears throat> that's my evenings sort of okay. class that is not part of my day's um productivity I just uh-huh. do that in my evenings so, yeah. so does it classes work in your head or is it so enjoyable uh, that it's not it doesn't feel like it bit of both yeah. yeah if i'm I sometimes like i'm just doing a bike check now and i'm like oh i look so cringe in this and it suddenly <laughs> starts becoming work um whereas if it's like yeah i'm just putting well the link parts of it i'm just making are all they're just good fun that's just being silly but um yeah nah, it's basically just good fun i think editing and finding music and that that's my favorite favorite thing i can do Nice. Cool. Let, we'll come back to the racing for a bit because yeah. your EWS career, I mean, it started pretty strong, I would say, fourth place at the first round in Punta Alley mm-hmm. on a factory team. Yeah. How how did it feel to be at the you know at the, the sharp end of the sport as it was starting to grow? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, 
I think it was eighth place, but anyway. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah, it was good. Yeah. I mean, you just like, nothing's ever going perfect for you, but so I'm like, oh, I want to improve, I want to do this, I want to do that, and then get your training right. But in general, it felt really good to be at the sharp end. <laughs> I started yeah. putting myself against people where I'd be like, hold on a minute. If I like ride all the corners good, I can win this stage. Um, and that's quite a nice mindset to be in. So it was good. Yeah. And you stayed at the top for a good while. Was it, yeah. was it hard to kind of get the training structure right? Cause it was a relatively new discipline, I guess people didn't really know what yeah. to expect or how to train for it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was probably quite hard. Um, it, it probably turned out I was training quite well for enduro all through when I raced downhill. Uh, by accident <laughs> so because i was always quite into cross country and generally just rode loads all the time um and didn't do any squats so <laughs> for downhill so yeah the training was pretty good i think i got that quite well i did sort of on and off with alan millway and he's really knowledgeable coach and then i'd sort of feel like i'd want a break from the structure he had and do my own and focus a bit more on intervals or focus a bit more on one aspect that I wanted to do. So yeah, I did Alan Millway. He built me a really good program on, I think year two of the world series, he got me in a really good place. And then year three, I did it myself and just did like intervals six times a week all winter. And that was Whoa. really good. I was really strong after that. I got my podiums, did quite well. And then that winter was so burnt out. <laughs> uh, so I'm not sure. Like, obviously, it wasn't a wise thing to do. Um, and then, yeah, basically bonked and then took a, probably about a year. I had a broken hand as well, but combining a broken hand and sort of hitting the wall took me a year to sort of come back. That um, came back pretty pretty good. Got a lot of top tens after that again. So Yeah. How did that like overtraining manifest itself? How did you feel? Uh, yeah. I'm not sure just because I was doing it myself. Maybe I didn't have somebody like overseeing it uh, and I'd just be doing my stats and then just one, it was literally one day my um, watch just dropped right down. And then I was like searching for it and like got a new power meter trying to figure out why they were dropped. Was it like technical issue? Was it me? I was like, no, they just have just genuinely just lost a load of strength. Um, And then, yeah, just built took a bit of time off and then just built up from that lower place uh, yeah. and obviously just needed it just couldn't keep on that for as long as I thought I could yeah drained yourself yeah. yeah but I mean I think people are a bit more on it now with that type of thing I'd just finish the season and then give myself like three days off <laughs> like, right, that's me rested yeah back, <laughs> on, back it. on it yeah uh, so yeah it's a bit, play. bit way bit more bit more wisdom probably these days but yeah i think training wise i've got it pretty good the first few years and like you say people were figuring it out Um, how did ews change in that time because you you were like say at the top for quite a good chunk you must have seen a lot of change uh yeah i'd say the changes come actually quite recently in maybe the last two two or three years rather than the first six they've uh-huh. um gone for quite a lot easier days and uh let me just think yeah i'd, I'd say this becomes slightly more downhill based which obviously some people are really chuffed about and some people are less chuffed about so like yeah i was probably 
probably more on the sort of lungs based <laughs> give me the pain <laughs> kind of vibe <laughs> but like a big uh, day out yeah and even like the irish enduros before the world series i mean they wouldn't do it now but then they were trying to encourage xc riders to come into enduro as well as downhills so they'd have uh. the start of the stage like 30 seconds before the actual start of the stage up a little hill and things like that yeah, yeah. they're completely unnecessary things but just to give it a sort of balance it was i suppose the sport was finding its feet so they were going like we really want to go 50 50 here and now it's gone way more towards like just charging downhills again yeah um, it's unusual though isn't it because you've got riders like jack moyer coming in from a downhill yeah. background and doing really well but then you've got riders like hattie coming in from a cross-country yeah, background yeah. Well, I think and killing it as well so exactly. it's like a real yeah. mixture it is it's still a really good mixture i think probably hattie's a incredible bike rider <laughs> as True. well yeah it's uh yeah gonna be a strong one for a while um and then jack i think he uh when he went with canyon he also he, all the deal also came with a coach a roadie coach who's because <laughs> i was when i was on the team that guy was doing uh dimitri and florian and uh, okay. they were on some serious leg work so <laughs> right putting in some big days yeah, on the road bikes that's great yeah you can see how he's done it <laughs> yeah yeah and then 2019 was a big change for you you became a dad congratulations thank you yeah so is it is it Bo your son oh yeah yeah how old is he now then coming on three Uh, yeah exactly yeah he's nearly three three in March how how has having a a child changed things for you like from a from a riding perspective and a lifestyle perspective I guess yeah um I suppose a lot changed a lot has also changed as well as having Bo so it's hard to pinpoint exactly what because I changed the setup, like made my own team, and then coronavirus, and then loads of stuffs happened. But um, yeah, it's just a it's just a nice uh, nice dynamic. <laughs> it's just good fun, really. <laughs> yeah how how have you approached bikes with Bo? Because I saw yeah. a video of you two riding your little track oh, recently, yeah. and yeah. it's absolutely pinned. Yeah yeah he's got a talent on it i mean i don't know how you can, how much you can read into it when he's two but uh yeah he's uh he's just always been really keen he's i mean he's just like keen on everything to be honest <laughs> just playing and rushing about and stuff like that but uh-huh. yeah he got his little bike when he was one and uh you could see he was so chuffed was <laughs> pushing it about couldn't ride it yet um and yeah got a good feel for it so i obviously try and um give him little pointers here or there and he seems to listen so uh, that's impressive for a three-year-old yeah, yeah it's like yeah like oh bo just stand up there and then he'll like stand up and he won't get a kick on his bum from a bump or something so it's uh, like he's probably improving a tiny bit just from me saying little things without him noticing but um yeah it's really cool i quite yeah it's good fun going out with him uh, how have you approached risk with him because oh, yeah. watching the video you're like oh waiting kind of waiting for an accident <laughs> yeah, and I, yeah. like being a father to a little girl myself yeah, like it's yeah. hard to watch them get hurt like how have you dealt yeah. with that um that's a good one because he's not really hurt himself so okay i suppose it's um you could claim he's in control <laughs> i mean obviously <laughs> everyone crashes um i put a, a bit of safety protection on the going past the raised bed which probably didn't help but <laughs> he's not hit that yet um <laughs> Yeah, I suppose that's a good question. I don't know. 
I'll get it, one day. It, I'll be a bit like, oh, come you? on, don't do that. Um, yeah, um, yeah. Only that he, he'll just if he gets a grazed cheek or something, you'd feel a bit bad for him. But um, yeah, more round the stuff that he does round my house and down like down to the park and stuff. I'm not scared at all for that. Uh-huh. But sometimes when we go to Nevis Range and he's goes like gets a bit carried away on some of the gravel tracks because you know gravel's not that pleasant, but he seems to skid it out, so I don't know. When I remember my mum saying to me that when I was, I must have been about five, so I was way bigger, but uh, I got a big speed wobble on a hill and grazed my whole face, and oh, wow. uh, I wasn't allowed to look in the mirror because she thought it'd scare me too much. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you can't worry too much. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, you can't wrap them in cotton wool, that's for sure. What yeah. bike have you got him on? Is it a little um, Commentile? Yeah, Commentile. I think it's called a Ramon 12-inch. So, uh-huh. so I was just looking about online and saw one I could put a disc brake on. I just thought um, having a disc brake would be a really good thing for a kid's bike. I know that's a little bit excessive, but the... Um, I mean, you want something so light and easy to pull. Um, so the lever throws re- really light on, on the disc, and I've got it t- uh, cable tied in, so it's really close to the bar. And a little um, 120 disc on it, I think, as well. You get a road, the road, new road discs have got um, rounded edges, uh-huh. so it's not too sharp. So. Ah, that's cool. Yeah. So that's a great little bike, actually. So yeah, he's got the little quite heavy, but it's really good. Yeah, he's got the little footboard on it, so he yeah. can stand up, which is you can't do on a lot of balance bikes. Yeah, exactly, and that's um, actually really useful. Yeah, because he stands up yeah. all the time on it. So yeah, I think nice. once he grows a little bit, he should get on the pedal bike. But maybe do this summer on a balance bike because he's a bit small still. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. So yeah, that combo, like you said, of of coronavirus lockdown, yeah. team changes, having a family you've kind of stepped away from racing on the international stage, I guess. I think your last yeah. AWSs were in 2020. Exactly. Was that, was that like a, a conscious decision or is it just kind of um, happened organically? Um, just happened organically, really. Yeah. Cause I, when I started the team, I just knew that I put quite a lot on my plate to do that. And it was even more than I thought it was. So um, to do a full world series was going to be so brutal that we just decided to do um, some European ones uh, with me and Lack on that year. Um, so that was sort of a natural step away from doing a full series. And then I, I liked doing the ones I did. I really loved Madeira, but it was, it was a different mindset when you're not doing a series. Uh-huh. I don't know. It's just, it just feels different, even though you're just at that one race still. It's a different feeling. <laughs> so I quite like doing the series. Um and so coming in and then the next year was coronavirus and we were going to do the full series that year. Like we'd entered the full series and we'd flights booked for South America and we we're about to just set off. So, yeah, so I'm not sure if we'd done that full series, whether I'd have got back on that full series vibe, uh, but because we couldn't. And then this last year was just all sort of everything was settling down. And, yeah, I just made the decision that I didn't need to be sort of being stressed about going over borders and all the restrictions there's plenty to be doing at home um, yeah. and that, i loved that so i had a few few crashes and a few little injuries mid-season mid like uk enduro season so yeah. i was a bit sore at times but i got a really good taste for the uk enduros and ferg was loving them as well and obviously if you can go to the races with your mates that's good so he, he loves them he's like more prefers 
what we call sprint enduro where mm-hmm. they're sort of like two minute stages and you can just go for it for like six two minute stages he loves that so it just sort of worked out for the whole setup just to be like well, we'll just commit to that and <clears throat> um yeah it was really good fun so yeah it's sort of not too planned but uh yeah i'm pretty happy with where it's gone cool have you, have you missed the traveling and the racing abroad or have you been happy to kind of not have to deal with it um yeah i didn't miss it last year it was pretty nice to um stay at home a bit more but i'm definitely feeling i think maybe it's the winter <laughs> <laughs> not monthly and now january yeah no. february yeah, yeah. February. oh <laughs> i could do a bit of sun right now <laughs> yeah I know so i'm um, feeling. feeling that yeah i feel um yeah so i would i will try and try and get get somewhere this year i think Very but nice. like <clears throat> i was like i was saying like to if we do go somewhere to race there's so many options that if you sort of branch out a little bit more then there's some really cool places to go so got an yeah, eye on sure. maybe the azores um i think it's called transatlantis race uh, it looked pretty good last year and yeah just keep the eyes open wicked yeah so you've been running hazard racing team for a few years now and you've recently announced that you're partnering with hope for the 2022 yeah. season how did that yeah. deal come about um that was just sort of a just well i already rode for hope so it was um yeah i wasn't like going saying hi just to random people but it was like oh, <laughs> oh I, like, I like your new bike <laughs> that, that hb916 they've they had as a prototype at hard rock yeah um and so yeah just chatting to one of the guys there doddy and he was like oh we want to do some more with on the new bikes and uh sort of wink wink nod nods we don't want to like poach you obviously because they're mates with orange and i'm mates with both of them but anyway the way it came about i was like yeah i think that's a cool direction to go and um got a ride on the bike loved it and they wanted to back like what i was doing so yeah sweet really yeah, how is that it's the hb916 yeah the high pivot yeah, bike. Yeah, yeah how is it oh it's yeah it's i mean you're just riding like i suppose because i'm not a bike tester or somebody who's ridden loads of bikes i've just ridden a few bikes and then like made them as like fine-tuned them you could say so i was like i've never ridden um mediumly high pivot before uh-huh. not fully high but quite a high pivot bike before um so yeah just loads to soak in loads to absorb and you're like well you just literally you don't notice like square edge roots like small bumps little square edge roots uh so like blown away by that and then you can move where the idle pulley is and get your pedal efficiency however you want it and just loads to play with and pretty, pretty much loved it so um the bike i rode was probably one one size too big for me because that was they only had one mold at the time uh-huh. so i was like i think this is the best bike i've ever ridden and it, <laughs> and it's too big for me so wait just wait till i get on the one that's the right size so i was like basically chapped um and then the i think the me the machine might have just come out of the press today so Ah. For, for my size so yeah. uh they're basically on it and then we'll get that laid up and probably maybe one or two weeks so yeah yeah um oh, exciting yeah, and then build it up, get some get some fancy paint on it tighten with the jerseys just yeah it's just i just love it all so it's gonna nice. be exciting so you've 
you got some custom paint going for the bikes this year. Yeah, yeah. Always try and do them a little bit custom, um, and hope uh, I've got their in-house paint guy who likes a project. <laughs> so it's like, give me a, give me your worst, <laughs> give me your hardest job you can. <laughs> so, Sweet. So they're giving you kind of free reign over what yeah. it's going to look like. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of, I mean, people generally do that anyway, but I kind of, that's sort of the vibe I go with when I set up the deals. <laughs> it's like, just let me do do, do what I think is good and hopefully it's, yeah, it'll come around. <laughs> nice. Yeah, you've definitely created some, shall we say, out there riding tops in yeah, the last yeah. year or so with the, yeah. the Llama and the Liger. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How- this year's ones are e- equally uh, out there. <laughs> How how have the sales been? Because you've been selling them yeah. like as a separate thing. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's a lot of interest. I hadn't actually planned for that to be a part of the year. Really, I was just putting a few designs together for the team um, and Endura do a, like they provide that as a service. So it's just sort of advertise their service for anyone to use, um, and a lot of people ask for them. So yeah, just got a few batches in. I think so. I'm not sure numbers maybe 300 or so. So yeah, it's yeah. Generally get a batch in and then they sell out. So yeah, <laughs> that's good. That's awesome. Yeah. And so, you got Pete, Pete Scully and dressed. Yeah, exactly. As he's Jesus, my, maybe. Marketer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get Pete in and they'll sell. <laughs> yeah. Pretty, pretty much the most out there launch video I've seen, I think. Mm. Yeah. That one didn't make any sense, but <laughs> we did it all the same. Yeah. yeah. Like getting Pete in. He's, he's, a, he's, he's been a staple for a, pretty much since the very start yeah um, so yeah always good, good to do stuff with pete yeah so your your kind of team set up and racing approach i guess has changed a fair bit over the years has it been harder or easier to make a living from it since kind of pulling away from international racing and trying to do a full edbs season like i guess the funding requirements yeah. are a lot lower yeah uk-based yeah. stuff but like yeah how yeah. hard is it to put together something that can fund your lifestyle right um seems pretty pretty similar to be honest like you say the finances for traveling all around the world are quite high um so either the team deal with that or you have to ask for quite a big budget um so if you kind of yeah take a lot of the travel costs out then and sort of provide the same not the same but some sort of similar value then seem pretty achievable so, yeah. yeah it's good I, yeah i just um set what sort of price i think that i think that i'm worth and then it seems seems to have worked out so far so not too yeah. much uh haggling just yeah cool do you think what brands are looking for is kind of changed over time because it race results were the only thing 15 years ago and now there's a lot more to it like have you have you seen that change throughout your career um yeah no one's actually ever sort of personally pushed me in a direction um but obviously you've got um yeah do things with your head screwed on and see what what works for you but yeah I i don't know if there's like maybe a base level of um media that is sort of like that's accepted and that's it. And then, then it's on race results because uh, not that many people do like good race results, but zero media, if you know what I mean? So, yeah. um, but yeah, you see a lot of people, I know like Lou Buchanan, he's totally on it. 
Uh, he's doing a really good job sort of doing events that basically boost his media as opposed to boosting results so much. Yeah. Um, and that's quite interesting to see. And yeah, I don't know, what was the question? <laughs> well, yeah, are brands looking for something different these days uh, yeah. than they were maybe 10 years ago, um, I suppose? Yes. Yeah, definitely. In a roundabout way. Yeah. 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 It's hard to know the balance. I think brands want both. So it's just whether one person can do both or you get one person for one, one for the other. Um, and yeah, I'm not sure. I've kind of, I suppose I've been one of the few people maybe like 10 years ago who was trying to do both. Um, which was, I mean, can't, can't complain. It's put me in a good place. So. Yeah. You were definitely yeah. well ahead on the video side of things for sure. Yeah. There wasn't, wasn't much when you started and there's no, exactly. kind of everyone seems to have a YouTube channel now. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And then I didn't even have a YouTube channel for ages because I was just a Vimeo guy. And I was like, well, I better get on YouTube now. I have any followers. <laughs> I was like, yeah, well, <laughs> can't be too much. <laughs> yeah. How, how has YouTube influenced what you create? Because there's a lot of kind of algorithm stuff that underpins it that, yeah. that they don't ever really release and that changes <laughs> over time, but that people have a good go at guessing what the algorithm's like and yeah, therefore yeah. promote. Do you Do you let that? influence you in any way um no i i try not to i don't think it really fits in with um style of content that i want to make although saying that actually i'm going to try this year to bump in put in a few race sort of vlogs um which i'll get um a mate to help film because i think that's sort of the longer most um I don't know. Yeah, it's a longer content which actually get hits the algorithm, but for a good reason because it is really interesting. So, um, whereas all the films I've made in the past are all quite short and punchy, um, which don't hit hit algorithms at all. But at the same time, luckily my sponsors aren't like counting views by like too hard. Uh-huh. They're more just like, do they appreciate it and do they like it and does it get a good response to people who do see it? So, um, yeah, I think that's feeling quite a good position there where i'm not like forced to put content out to get sort of false views yeah um, just get content out there that you know the people who see it or maybe more organic you could say um yeah nice but so back out back out on the uk scene this year then is that yeah. the plan for 2022 yeah 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 that's it so new bike pretty buzzing um yeah putting in some good training at the moment uh turns out i was well fit about four years ago just <laughs> going on my stats i'm like because uh fitness dropped off a little bit not even too much but i was like right gotta get my threshold up to the that level i'm like whoa yeah. i was high <laughs> <laughs> but uh no it's going really good i'm on like long rides and getting some turbos in a couple yeah. of nights gym a week with ferg um so yeah doing that get get to the races see if we can put some race wins out nice That's the goal yeah yeah what and what are you going after what kind of series or um, events are you yeah, looking for so scottish series is back um yeah. that took two years off uh so that'll be good it's only a three race series so it's an easy one to get done nice. one of the first rounds fort william uh that'll be really good and then you've got the festival events like Ard rock uh the naughty's been cancelled sadly from yeah. storm damage so that was a real shame because that was that was our favorite um and then, yeah, I'm just deciding now whether to go for the full British series uh, or whether to keep it a little bit more sporadic and go uh-huh. for one-ups. But it'll be a good calendar. Nice. Yeah. And it, it feels like in all of this, 
like home Fort William has been a massive part of your career, your riding style, like your creativity, your videos. Yeah. Is that, is that fair? Like, yeah, 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 I think so. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a cool place. <laughs> and, yeah. um, yeah, the tracks are pretty unique, I'd say just from the landscape. Uh, it's pretty softer and yeah, the tracks cut in to be, to be honest, to just be really good fun rut tracks <laughs> and quite unique. Like even people from like come over from Inverness way and I, like, uh, yeah, it's got a bit of a bit of kudos. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, and I guess uh, that's going to help. Yeah, what a lot of people recognise as Fort William is not really typical of a lot of what Fort William has to offer, right? The yeah. lift access stuff yeah. up on the World Cup venue is pretty different, yeah? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, particularly a few years ago when it was just the downhill track. I mean, that couldn't be, it couldn't have been further from that the actual riding that most of the locals do. Um, but now Never Strange have tied in, like the, the uh, Top Chief Black Run and the uh, blue that just opened last year um yeah it's a bit more trail bike friendly very trail bike friendly so you can sort of combine the woods and the gondola now quite nicely uh, whereas before uh, okay. it was like basically two separate sports um, yeah uh so yeah there's actually getting a good mix now nice and how much stuff is there up there now could you like show up for a week stay in one place yeah. and kind of ride up a week's worth of stuff oh yeah i mean i, I ride to uh, 52 weeks no other <laughs> <laughs> it's really good <laughs> but um yeah, yeah no that's good the gondolas win um so yeah combining that in the woods always as i always say go to the local bike shop ask the boys where the tracks are and uh there's plenty of tracks about uh, to be sniffed about and then you've got kinlock leaving which is probably kinlock leaving combined with torridon two of the best um sort of mountain ride areas in scotland uh-huh. you got the memoirs behind up behind there so you've got all the walkers paths which are basically perfectly built bike tracks up in the hills um so yeah you combine that lagging's 40 minutes away and uh, i think it's plenty going on yeah i only scratched the surface last time i was up there yeah. to interview michaela we got a couple of hours out on the trails and it was properly good like mm-hmm. super nice steep natural yeah. loamy and yeah, then we got still, the yeah, bang on that's like our local Torlandi. so it's about maybe five miles yeah five miles from nervous range uh, but there's tracks yeah. between there and nervous range so you can sort of link it up as a loop but that's the new staple so yeah it's, it's some good good quality loam for sure did you just ride there or you yeah we just did that because yeah. we only had a couple of hours but yeah. it was yeah it's definitely a place i'd like to get back to yeah. well i'll be back there for world cup hopefully oh, yeah, nice. uh, so get some riding in but yeah. yeah like and there's good stuff going on in scotland at the moment with the trails and mm-hmm. i think is there a fairly new trail association in fort william now looking yeah. after stuff locally yeah yeah that's sort of the new the new wave of land management it's all coming on from rider-led stuff and uh yeah fort williams can now got his trail association as well some really dedicated local volunteers um so i mean i'm, I'm not i'm not fully on the committee <laughs> I, I just turn up for the uh, dig day put yeah. a bit of elbow grease in i think that's that's all i'm worth but uh <laughs> yeah the, the trail associations are brilliant so they're even working with the scottish enduro now to um tie in with the race scene and the land management and yeah so it's uh, just all coming really coming around really well, I think, to being a properly managed, sustainable 
people aren't just building tracks everywhere. It's properly done, and the tracks yeah. that are there are getting maintained um, and a lot more official. So it's becoming yeah, a really yeah. positive place. Yeah, becoming a real sort of destination. It's yeah. like, all this stuff is like steered by DM bins or developing mountain mm-hmm. biking in Scotland. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I noticed recently, I didn't didn't realize, but there's a ride guide on their website of which Fort William is one of the spots they talk about. And if you book your accommodation, there's like a link on there, takes you through and 5% of your accommodation costs go back to the trail association, which is pretty awesome. It's pretty, pretty hidden gem that, especially as the deals on Expedia are good anyway. So (laughs) yeah, get a good deal. And yeah, yeah, that's one thing that I've been starting to do a bit more work for them. Okay. Um, Which is cool. Like I'm chuffed to, to promote the local area and, uh, do all I can. So yeah, get on DMBN and DMBins. <laughs> the li- the Developing link is a, biking in yeah, Scotland. Yeah. The link is a bit hidden, but I will, I'll put a link in the show notes for this yeah, episode actually so people meant, can find yeah. it. The more people who can get on there, the better, because they're putting yeah. like a load of work on like getting people to the right places and knowing the right information before coming up. And then just as a sort of, I don't know if it's a gift back to the, to the community or, it's just yeah dropping that expedia link and you get get five percent to the local trail association yeah by somatics every, every, every little helps <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly cool. yeah it's yeah. really good and do you, do you feel like there's more and more people coming to fort william to ride has that changed a lot yeah yeah oh definitely yeah certainly never strange car park in fort william like that's where you see see a lot of the action and that's just grown every year um people riding all the time and then it's particularly never strange like it was such a big thing for them putting the blue in because it's basically made that whole part of fort william family friendly now um well for kids but also for beginners as well so um yeah it's it's not not just a gnarly downhill place anymore it's like got tra- really good trails so yeah it's awesome cool. yeah give it a visit and it clearly it clearly breeds good riders not only yourself and your sister but mm-hmm. i recently discovered your mum was world oh, yeah. cross-country mountain bike champion yes. for over 60s yeah? For over 60s yeah that's yeah, awesome yeah. yeah that was really good that was we went out to andorra and uh yeah it was really good fun i was out there with my mechanic at the time craig and we were like doing the full show checking the bike over getting the lines sorted nice. um yeah it was really good and then uh my partner fiona she did the downhill in andorra uh-huh. that same time she won the i can't remember the category 35 plus okay downhill yeah. champion okay. <laughs> it, was, it was a productive called week. masters or something masters, I don't know. yeah masters yeah. but there's loads of categories in masters yeah. So, um but yeah my mum my mum really got into cross country uh not that long ago to be honest but yeah just loves it so all the time where's the drivetrain out before i do <laughs> that's amazing yeah that's cool yeah, yeah nice for you to be able to be a part of that like almost in the opposite direction i guess because mm. your parents spend their time encouraging yeah, yeah. you to do stuff and yeah exactly yeah to give a bit back yeah so uh yeah if i can get her, get her on the right bikes and yeah just a good fun really yeah. good fun so i've got yeah my mum's into it we boys into it <laughs> with the bikey, yeah. bikey people love it good stuff man well we should uh we should start to wrap up but we've got our final four questions that we ask everyone um yeah. the first one of those if our listeners had 150 pounds to spend to improve their performance on a bike what would you recommend they went and spent it on 
Oh, I did actually know you do these because I've listened to quite a few podcasts and then I completely forgot to think about it. <laughs> £150. Yeah, not a lot these days. No. Wow. It's pretty good. Uh, okay, we'll do Big Mudguard. Okay. Pretty good. Yeah. Especially when you live in Fort Really, William. really Big Mudguard. Yeah. Yeah. Don't go shy on that. Uh, maybe some beetroot shots. Okay, go on. Tell me more about they, uh, why. Oh, I mean, I'm I'm no scientist, but uh, I think I just I've been on them for years and years, and they uh, okay. boost your nitrate levels in your blood. Apparently, they make you good at sprinting. Okay, so get some gains. Yeah. So that's where we're up to about sixty quid. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, what else do I really like? I don't know. Maybe finish it off with a good quality jacket, so you've got no excuse. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. How much is a Gandhi pass for a day oh. these days? Oh, I don't know the exact price. Yeah. Maybe thirty pounds. Okay, but anyway, yeah, that's actually a really good show. Uh, that's one thing which, when I was a exceptionally tight teenager, traveling the world, <laughs> living off uh, pasta and a splash of sauce, was never go shy on a gondola pass. Yeah, <laughs> they can live as cheap as you like, but never go shine a gondola pass because uh, it's got to be done. That's got exactly. It's got to be done. No other reason, yeah. and it's got to be done. So good stuff. That's a good. That's actually a good idea. All right. Second yeah. question: If you could wind back the clock and sit down with yourself, age sixteen, yeah. what advice would you give him? Sixteen. Uh, oh, I don't know. Maybe I'll go back on our whole chat and just say. Uh, <laughs> just get on a team earlier for that uh-huh. yeah because that would have been interesting it might not work like it did with you like start canyon till until we like rebalanced it but yeah it might have worked at the same time you just don't know so right team i think interesting. yeah well, that's so it, different, right team. Eh? yeah exactly yeah yeah so so what yeah what i don't know you... how, i don't know how i would have done that because like i said if somebody told me that i'd be like yeah i know that but, <laughs> but thanks for the advice Still gotta make it happen it. yeah yeah um I don't know. I think I was pretty on it with training and I was on it with a passion to, to learn. So, um, but I just never really spoke to anyone. So yeah, the confidence to put yourself yeah, forward, I guess confidence. to back yourself. Maybe it's self-confidence could be the only thing Yeah, that you can like, you need someone who you trust to tell you. Yeah. It's not easy. eh? Yeah. Well, it's for some people, I guess some people are born with that, but yeah, yeah, if yeah. You're not, it's really hard to find it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, but then if you don't have self confidence, you maybe um, work harder. So, or like you know, yeah, <laughs> um, doubt yourself more. I don't know what the question. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I don't have a good answer for that. That is a good answer. Okay. That's fair. I like it. Okay. All right. Third one. If you could have a coaching session from anyone, past mm-hmm. or present, who would it be, and what would you want to learn from them? Um. Coaching session. Well, I just have to go with Catherine, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> and oh no, I'll change my mind. Catherine's coached enough people. I'll go Joe yeah. Connell. Okay, go on. Because he is actually kind of my coach anyway. Right. <laughs> I need I need to get better at jumping again because I spent too long racing enduro. Uh huh. And they put they put as as zero jumps in any tracks for ten years. So. Yeah, and not Fort William, not really a big it's jumpy not, nah, place. Well, there's the sort of downhill jumps on the downhill track, and then yeah. stuff in the woods is it's a bit too uh, 
bit too muddy really to put any jumps in. So yeah, um, yeah, I'd get Connell to give me a bit of a coaching on some jumping again. Yeah. What about the like the video side of things? Are there people that you look up to in like yeah. video creation or editing or yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I grew up on Alex Rankin, yeah, as most people did, um, and just a huge fan of, of all his current work as well. Stuff he does with Cannondale, and yeah. if I ever see a video of his, always watch that. Um, and then I, I just like watching the um, Steel City Media stuff as well, yeah, with Bowman and. Um, San Needham. So yeah. I think they put a nice twist on things. Definitely. Yeah, I think yeah. yeah. It's kind of where I like where I like viewing. Nice. Good stuff. And the the final one, although I'm gonna add a special one for you. Okay. Um what do you do every day that you feel benefits you? Uh, <laughs> big bowl of porridge. <laughs> Genuinely benefits me. <laughs> I'll, okay i'll change that two or three bowls of porridge because that's actually what i do no i do a breakfast in the morning and then at mid-afternoon i start feeling a bit a bit like i've not quite had enough so i have another bowl and then finish every <laughs> single day with a bowl before bed otherwise i'm scared i wouldn't sleep very well for real yeah so I'm you're a, a hungry man yeah but on one specific food so my prob- body's probably tuned up like <laughs> adapted so it's absolutely irrelevant to my uh my uh body but uh, you run on oats basically yeah, exactly oats yeah so <laughs> you need you, like <laughs> quaker or someone to be yeah, a sponsor I do. yeah so the vast consumption of oats probably is the main thing that benefits me every day <laughs> i like it all right and the one question i'm going to add yeah because you've got such a background in in the kind of enduro side of things yeah i'm supposed to be giving the ews 100 a crack for the first time Ooh. at tweed valley yeah and uh i've got a long way to go to be in any position to do that justice but i'm yeah. gonna have a go um any advice yeah ews 100 tweed valley cut your bars down <laughs> yeah yeah so this is sort of the balance of enduro isn't it? it's the day versus the stages yeah and where do you put your focus uh or share the focus uh i definitely start getting some good writing now that's round yeah. one, isn't it? So that's yeah, yeah, actually June. pretty soon, June. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, big rides. What what we do around here is we just have the Garmin on, and just you're not allowed home till you've done a thousand meters. Okay, so it's <laughs> <laughs> just because it's a nice round number. Yeah. So uh, yeah, there's two two types of rides. One is the sort of intervals, just an hour basically, and mm-hmm. um, putting some intervals in, and then one is the not allowed home till after a thousand meters. And uh, I mean, it's not that it's it's very achievable unless it's sleeping, yeah. <laughs> unless it's a uh, Ming and Day. But um, yeah, I, think, I don't know. So that's all I can offer in the, on the fitness side of things. Bar width, yeah, that's a good one for for an Ethan. I think that's yeah. the set the tone for me when I was fourteen. I was like, I don't need wide bars in all Yeah, you run pretty narrow, hey? Yeah, well, I just stick to seven fifty. Uh-huh. yeah so i'm at the same you're yeah. the same yeah so that i think that's spot on for if you go any narrow you just hit your shoulder anyway but that's probably hand to shoulder yeah is is about right for me so you can sort of swerve past the trees best possible and then um yeah oh nutrition that's the main one probably yeah okay. uh, carb water <laughs> yeah that's the one is it that's the one carb water and you do spot and uh yeah get a bar in after either a bar every hour or a bar every stage yeah and then sail through the day easy man yeah man no I've got nothing to worry about <laughs> have you done an enduro before 
Yeah, I've done some like some smaller ones. Yeah. There's Boltby Bash, which is a oh, yeah. like an old event that. that was going back in the day that they bought back as an Enduro a few years ago. So we do that with a group of mates and then mm-hmm. done a few PMBAs and did a couple of the British series a long oh, while ago. Nice. So You've done a bit, bit not yeah. a total newbie, but... Well, the 100, is the, that's the whole course, isn't it? The 100. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's just without the time cuts. That's right. So there's, um, like, there's a time limit. You still have a time limit, yeah. So it's actually yeah. pretty similar, I think just yeah um, so big day yeah yeah we'll wait and see what the tracks are yeah that'll be interesting, interesting. Yeah, yeah yeah exactly they lost quite a lot of the tracks off the back i think to walk oh, on that side in all the uh all, all, the, storms. all the storms so ah, that was yeah. that feed the ponies um, yeah, yeah area because yeah. i thought that would they built that new finish area so i thought that would be it sort of adds to the loop having that hill in yeah for makes sure. it more of a circle um yeah, yeah. oh that'd be good yeah. yeah interesting times yeah, yeah, cool yeah. man Love. well it's been really fun chatting and finding out more about you and your career so far if people mm-hmm. want to follow you throughout the season where's the yeah. best place or places for um, them to head yeah uh instagram top chief top underscore chief and then yeah. on youtube just use my name so joe barnes nice. and yeah try and put some stuff out on them channels and see if people want to follow along good stuff man yeah i'll put links to both of those in the show notes people can find them nice and easily but yeah thanks man all the best for a fun season ahead and hopefully catch you at a few events over the year yeah yeah we'll see you there nice one cheers mate bye chris bye all right that's it for this episode with joe i really hope you've enjoyed listening a big thanks to We Are One Composites for supporting this episode. As a downtime listener, you can get 15% off all of their awesome rim-only products for the month of March. All you need to do is to use the code WEARRIMS2022. That's WEARRIMS, all one word, all lowercase, followed by the number 2022 at the checkout over on weareonecomposites.com. Also, a massive thank you to Shimano. I've been really impressed with their new gravity-focused flat pedal shoe, the GR9, which features their brand new gravity-optimized Ultred sole. They're super comfy, grippy, and they've got loads of nice design features. The GR9 is available now from your local Shimano dealer, and you can check them out at mtb.shimano.com. If you like print and you want a quality mountain bike print product in your life, then the brand new biannual downtime EP is for you. It's a collab with the amazing team over at Miss Spent Summers, so if you've ever seen Hurley Burley, the world stage, spent or meltdown, you'll know just how good downtime EP is going to be. Head over to downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP now and grab yourself a copy of issue one or a subscription, which means you'll get issue one now and issue two as soon as it's available. Also, my full range of merch is ready to go over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. There's t-shirts, sweatshirts, shorts and joggers and all the proceeds go to help improve the podcast. All the links you need are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. I'll keep this short and sweet, but what I will say is that if your riding mates aren't listening to the podcast yet, then please let them know what they're missing out on. Spreading the word is a massive help to me, and it's ultimately you lot listening that enables me to keep this thing going. All right, we've got another awesome episode coming up really soon, but until then, get out and ride.